All young people, regardless of sexual orientation or identity, deserve a safe and supportive environment in which to achieve their full potential. Harvey Milk Bending Not Breaking Pride and Avatar Hello again, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Bending Not Breaking. I'm your host, Ben Pruitt, and I have had an incredible time discussing Pride for four episodes now, and we're on to our fifth. Cameron was a phenomenal guest uh, for our last episode, and I'm really excited about today's episode because we are going to be talking about all kinds of things that I don't know that I had thought about before this conversation, so I'm really thankful to our guests today. I'm also really thankful because we're going to be talking about some cool things that are coming around next year. Uh, Yeah, that's right. People are planning ahead. And I would love for you to just take note and write that down and pay attention because that's going to be super neat for anybody who is interested in Avatar. So... Uh, Without further ado, I just want to thank you all for listening and welcome you back to another episode of the podcast talking about Pride and remind you all that we do have a Patreon in which you can support us and help us continue to make episode content like this. Uh, If you can't afford that because financials are tight, which is completely understandable in a world like today... Uh, you can also leave us a review on any of the podcasts, uh, you, whatever podcatcher you utilize. Please leave us a review. We would really appreciate it. Uh, with that in mind, that's all I have for you before we move on to our guests. So here we go. Welcome back. We are so glad to have another guest here with us today. I am so pleased to introduce KK Bracken, and I'm going to go ahead and just pass it off to her so that she can tell us a little bit more about her and share a little bit about her story. So KK, how are you today? What's going on? I'm doing great. I'm just trying to survive this heat wave, but otherwise doing pretty good. Gotta love the heat wave. Power <laughs> is kicking. <laughs> Half my city doesn't have power right now. It's pretty, pretty untenable. Ooh, wow. Where are you located? Uh, Columbus, Ohio. Okay. Yeah. Wow. But uh, yeah, so I um, I can't remember when I started watching Avatar. I was an adult. I'm a fake millennial. I didn't watch it as a kid. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I did watch the last two seasons of Korra live. So I, I probably could figure that out. Um, just using that math, but um, it was like the first children's cartoon I was really into as an adult, and I didn't really get into children's animation as an as a whole genre until Steven Universe. But I think that makes Avatar even more special because it was sort of on my radar even before I was into the whole thing. Um, and I mean, it's arguably the best show of all time. 
I do use arguably on purpose because I, that's too subjective to really have a definitive answer. But I think you could argue that Avatar, The Last Airbender is the best show of all time. So um, now I'm running an Avatar convention next year called Cabbage Con. So <laughs> I don't really do fandom halfway. Uh, and yeah. I just, Avatar and Korra are very, very precious to me. Um, all the supplemental materials as well, the comics, the Kyoshi novels. Um, I love it all. Wow. Okay. So we, we went from I'm a fake millennial to I'm hosting an avatar convention. <laughs> um, so yeah, going from uh, not, not at all, like to pretty hardcore, it seems like. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty, pretty hardcore. Um, I mean, it's just a great fandom and I think it's time for us to have a con. So here I am here here yeah I mean I see all these voice actors posting come see me at this con come see me at this con come see me at this con and they're just surrounded by so many different things and I'm a little intimidated by cons just because I'm like I don't I'm gonna go there just for like this really niche thing and the idea of a single fandom con is really interesting because I feel like I would have a lot more interest in all of the things that are present versus a, a con where I'm, I don't know how comfortable I would be um, with all the different fandoms. So, and that's, I mean, single fandom cons are awesome for that exact reason. I've been involved with running them since 2013. I started with an A Song of Ice and Fire Game of Thrones con, and then I yeah. started a Steven Universe con. And we had our last year last year. Um, so it's it's a really awesome environment. They're not as big, you know, we're talking hundreds of people instead of thousands. Um, and you have an instant connection with every single person there, right? You're all there because you love the same thing. So it's just a, it's just a really cool environment. And I think it's special uh, and unique among the convention scene, so. Wow. Okay, so we kind of have a baseline for your relationship with the Avatar verse now. Uh, that's exciting, and we'll we'll definitely talk more about the con later. I want to make sure we ask some specific questions about that, and you can share everything we because I'm sure our listeners want to know. But in order to get that information, they got to listen to the rest of this, right? So <laughs> uh, this this episode in particular is about Pride, and we are really excited to put this episode out during June, during Pride Month, and to celebrate all of the pride that is in the Avatar verse. And I would love to hear, what is your relationship with pride? I mean, I have been uh, queer, out, out as queer since my teenage years. So gosh, half my life. Um, and um, I don't know, it's always been an important part of my identity. I'm pansexual and non-binary and I don't know, probably other things that just are under the queer umbrella and um, sapphic ships in particular are really, really important to me. Um, and it, you, you find a lot of those in cartoons, especially these days. And Korasami was the trailblazer in terms of Western animation. So <sighs> Korasami is very, very precious. And I was shipping them from season two. So <laughs> I was one of the, I was one of the originals. And I remember what it was like to be in that fandom and in that space. And it was Oh, when it went canon, man. We and just... we were talking about how you were watching that live. So yes. watching that from season two and then seeing it evolve over live and that be the first like one. And again, in Western animation is just 
oh, I can't imagine the joy. <laughs> that yeah, I just got goosebumps now. remembering it, Me man. Too. I was cry, I was sobbing and crying. Like the thing is, they started sowing the seeds in season three. I know that Bright has said, oh, we were rooting from Coruscant since the beginning. I don't believe them. <laughs> I think they saw the fandom's reaction to that ship and said, huh, that is a good idea. And again, Avatars maybe the best show of all time. I don't think they're great at romance. I think they are really good at friendship. And so because Korra and Asami had that foundation, it made their romance even better. And so you start to see the, the seeds for real in season three, where um, you know they're writing to each other while Korra is sick and Asami is taking care of her um after Zaheer and then in season four like I still sometimes go back to this Tumblr post because there's the the scene where Korra's back in Republic City and Asami compliments her hair and Korra blushes and I have a Tumblr post from that time saying she blushed she blushed did you see it it's canon <laughs> so oh, like awesome yeah so like we had we I was fairly confident they were going there now was I confident they'd go there in such an explicit way that we'd know for sure? No, I've been in queer fandom for 20 years. I was braced to be queer rated again, but they went there and yeah. screaming, crying, throwing up still to this day gives me tingles. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's incredible. I just, I love hearing how impactful that was. That's just, it's beautiful. And I'm just, I'm grateful for that. That's, that's wonderful. I, I was thinking we were, we're in the middle of season three right now on the pod and we were just watching this scene with Cora and Asami where there's been a few moments where I'm like, this is happening. And one was when, you know, Mako is, you know, they're recruiting airbenders and this is the first where we meet Kai and Mako is the, the scary firebender. And then Korra comes in to protect everybody and show off airbending in front of this crowd. And she looks back at Asami while she's tossing Mako up in the air. And there's <laughs> definitely a moment that's happening there. And we also see her, uh, Asami, take Korra on a drive very early on in the season that's letting Korra drive. And so this I've never girl, had a girlfriend before, Korra says. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like this, there are like, oh this is this is being more this seems more intentional at this point um and I you know what I think that's really reflective of of life also in a way sometimes of how especially for uh Cora as potentially what we have framed as a bi woman who is like oh wait a second maybe this is different and right and treating it differently and growing into that and I just find that really beautiful and I know it rang true with a lot of uh, queer experiences, um, especially sapphic ones, where like you have this deep abiding love for your friend that develops into something more. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was veracity in that for sure. I love it. Okay, so I've, I've we've kind of jumped into the big question for today already, but uh, it, your answer might be different. I doubt it, but we'll see. So if I were to ask you, what is your, your favorite moment or favorite scene or favorite ship in general in the Avatarverse, I would love to hear what that, what that pride moment is. Oh, well, definitely when it comes to queerness in Avatar, Korasami is the first thing I think of. But don't hate me. I'm sorry if they're haters. But you know what? What else is a ship that's really important to buy women? Sutara. <laughs> Ooh, interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, there's, you know, there's so much discourse around Sutara. And um, one thing I think that gets thrown by the wayside is like, we kept the fandom alive for years before this current renaissance, right? It was the Zutara shippers that really like kept churning out content and fan art and fanfic. Um, and again, like, I don't think I know a single straight Zutara shipper. So it's not like just because it's a heterosexual ship doesn't mean it's not deeply important to the queer side of this fandom, but I won't talk anymore about Zutara. Corazomi is more important. <laughs> I'm curious about that because I, I do not necessarily ship that. I'm not against it. But I'm I a multi-shipper, that... to be fair. I love all ships yeah. that aren't gross, including Katang. I think it's adorable. Yeah. yeah, it's one of those things where like, I'm totally like, why not? But it's also like, love what you love. Um, but I'm curious about the, uh, I had not noticed before that it, the people who ship Zutara were primarily queer. And I, that's, a, that's a really fascinating insight. And I'm curious if there, if, why is that if you have, and I'm not asking you to speak for all, for all queer people, but like for, from your perspective, since you're bringing this to us, I'm curious why you think that is. Interesting. Um, you know, in some ways, Zutara hits the beats of a queer baiting relationship, right? It's not queer baiting, it's just baiting. Mm -hmm. But in terms of like all these heavy hints and moments together that end up going nowhere canon. So yeah. maybe that's it. Maybe it's a little bit about the yearning aspect of it. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, yeah, I, I, would, I would say because of the way it's there, but never acknowledged, I think that's important too. Mm. And for better or for worse, that's what we're used to, right? Until, until this new Our Flag Means Death post, Our Flag Means Death era, that's yeah. what we've been used to for, for decades. Yeah. So. Wow. I, I find that really amazing. I, I think that's really, I have a whole new insight into the Zutara as a, as a ship. That's, that's, that's incredible. Okay. Well, let's shift back to Korosami then. And you had kind of mentioned why it's so impactful and watching it live and giving you goosebumps and returning to it. But what, what is this kind of scene or this ship in general make you feel? What does it offer you? What does it give you? Hmm. I mean, I will be honest and say the, the majority of the impact for me is a meta impact, right? Um, Korasami gets any more bagged on because, oh, it wasn't explicit enough. And I mean, listen, that's a fine take to have because you're not wrong. But um, without Korasami, we would not have Ruby and Sapphire in Steven Universe. We would not have Katradora and She-Ra. Yeah. We would, you know, so it's important to me for that reason because it really opened the door for these more explicit ships. People saw the, the reaction to it and the fact that it, you know, I would say probably pushed Korra into a more popular space overall. Yeah. And they said, okay, we can do it and we can do it more. Yeah. And uh, it's just so important. And, uh, you know, just, I like to say these kinds of cartoons make kids into better adults. And I just can't imagine how my life would have been different if I had seen that when I was a kid, so. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons I was so invested in doing this episode on pride and pride in these cartoons and the Dragon Prince and in Avatar. 
uh, thinking about how, what it does meta, right, for, for children and what it does for adults and what it does for people who are able to consume this media. There is a, there's an ethical uh, responsibility for these shows to put out content that people can relate to. And prior to this, there had been a lot of queer baiting, right? But there hasn't really been anything explicit. And going this far, like to where they're, you know, staring into each other's eyes and holding hands, which is not that far, frankly, right? <laughs> but, but it is, it's iconic and it's pioneering because it was the first. And so it's really important to be, have that visibility and to, and I'm, so I guess I'm curious, have you seen other reactions to Korasami and what were the reactions of the people that you care about who watched this and how they how they responded to seeing something so important? Well, gosh, I am pretty, I curate my friends list in person and online pretty meticulously. So any reactions I saw were very positive. Yeah. Um, in, in people, in terms of people I care about. Now, there was the very standard, I didn't see it. I had no idea this was coming. And I was like, let me point you to three years, four years of Tumblr posts where we have been screaming about this ship. I promise it was there, even when they didn't mean it to be. Yeah. Um, but they meant it from season three onward. So um, it's fine if you didn't see it. But to then say, so it didn't happen is um, not fair. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I, I wrote a post recently on ethical media consumption and the importance of how we consume media and why it's important to have relationships with parasocial relationships with characters that have no relationship with us, but we have a really strong relationship with them. Um, they have no idea we exist. And what it does is who we are is based off who we're in relationship with. And those relationships that we have with fictional characters affect our bodies, our minds, just as much as relationships with real people. Like the, the hurt that we feel when our favorite characters die and the pain we feel when they feel pain, the love we feel when they feel love is real. And there's a, we have a responsibility to consume media that's allowing us to see that for people that are different from us. I love and that. It's just, and it's true. There's so much science behind that. It's fascinating. Um, and so I just, I really love the impact and hearing all these positive vibes that we get from Korasami because it just, helps me talk to those people that didn't see it in a way that gives me a chance to be like, why would you want to take away something that's so beneficial for so many people? Mm -hmm. It does nothing for you to have that be taken away. Yes. And um, I really like that. Rebecca Sugar has a quote that says, uh, when you're with someone, you're not the same person you are uh, when you're by yourself. Yeah. Uh, the space between people becomes a person. So. Mm. I think that's lovely. I think that's so true. Wow. Okay. So if I were to ask you more about Korasami and 
thinking about, if we were to like narrow it down to a scene for you, or if there's one moment that really sparks joy for you, I'm curious what that moment would be. Uh, when Asami is tending to Cora after, um, when they're about to go to uh, Janora's master ceremony. Um, she is, you know, doing her hair. Cora uh, has been disabled. She's in a, a wheelchair um, and she touches Cora without her glove. And that was a really big deal because Asami always wears gloves. And um, anyone who's seen 2005 Pride and Prejudice will tell you that that's very significant. Uh, the hand, the hand moment is very significant. Yeah. Oh, I think that's, that's, I think that most people don't see that moment as this uh, really beautiful Korasami moment who are straight because they're not paying attention to whether Asami's wearing gloves or not. Who cares, right? It's so like, who cares about gloves? But if you notice that she's wearing gloves throughout the whole season and you notice when and when she, when she is and when she's not and who she touches and when she doesn't, you realize the significance of this moment. And it just, it just means for us that we have to be paying attention to things that we don't normally pay attention to if that's not on your radar. And so I, I think that bringing that moment up is a really important and significant moment for, for this ship. And so I, I love that. That's beautiful. It's a great yeah. ship. It's a really good ship. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it just is like the the tension, the, you know, the chemistry and tension that builds between them over the seasons is really gorgeous to the point where when you finally get the kiss in the comics, it's like, yeah, this is the celebratory moment where you're like, yes, we see it. And I just am so, so thrilled we get that in the comics too. So highly recommend everybody read the comics if you haven't already. They're great, especially the Cora ones, I think. Mm. Can I, I want to ask you if I can, you had briefly mentioned this when we were uh, talking about recording and if you don't want to dive into it, it's okay, but you had mentioned a take on Aang that I hadn't heard before and I wanted to see if you could give us a brief rundown of that and we don't have to dive into it fully either, but I'm, I'm just curious if you'd share about this perspective on Aang that you have. Yeah, Aang reads to me, has always read to me as very genderqueer, non-binary, if you will, since that's sort of the umbrella term. Um, he, you know, I, I think it's most obvious in the Kiyoshi episode where he like puts on her clothes and makeup and has like no qualms doing so. Yeah. And then he um, uses her fans to, which is a very feminine, it's literally associated with the Kiyoshi warriors who are significantly all female. Yeah. Um, he wears flowers in his quote-unquote hair he makes jewelry for Katara like he's just never been bound by gender in the way that like Sokka is right and I think that's extremely cultural and when you think of Aang as the embodiment of the air nomads I think that speaks to again the larger cultural of the air nation um yeah I, I was never super keen on the fact that they separate their temples by gender. I think that's a little stupid, but um, you know, we can all we, we can always headcanon. And we do know from the comics that they were completely fine with same-sex relationships. Yeah. Um, so once again, we're sort of talking about a an expression and an expectation of gender that is unlike what we see in the other three um nations in this in the show. So 
let's let's get more bald bald lady airbenders that's all i'm asking for okay i just want yeah. more bald lady airbenders yeah. <laughs> there's no reason they wouldn't be bald yeah at the same rates as the male airbenders but yeah so that's ang is my favorite character um and of all of Korra and avatar so it's quite precious to me that he is queer in that way yeah no i i very much vibe with that i i i think i agree with you also that it seems a little counterintuitive that they would be separating their temples by gender while also being so affirming in terms of orientation and who and like the the freedom with and the fluidity with which they're allowed to uh date and or be sexualized or things along those lines it's it's really interesting to me that they would they would separate but there's problems in every culture so <laughs> well and i would guess it's just you know taking their cue from like tibetan monks like that's my guess is that it's just since that's the culture they draw from for yeah. that particular um people they that's where they came from but that's right not a perfect show well, I think it's also probably worth recognizing that in every culture there are people, there are traditional conservative side of the coin, and then there's the the quote more liberal side of the coin. And I'm sure that they this was a discussion the Air Nomads had, and it was probably something that was like, why are we doing this? Um, and I just imagine that maybe that was on the brink of change before the genocide happened, and maybe. Maybe when I get my Benders in Space sequel, we can... Uh... Benders in Space? Oh, yes. That's what I want from the Avatar universe. Benders in Space. Maybe one of those new Avatar Studios movies will, will have... <laughs> hire me. No, don't hire me. I'm white. But, you know, I can do a consultation or something. Yeah. I love being a consultant. I would be <laughs> happy to do that. <laughs> okay. So I would love to kind of shift to our, our kind of final segment here and talk about some gratitude. I'm, I'm curious if you were to pick one character from the Avatar verse that you are just immensely thankful for, I would love to hear who that is and, and why in particular. My sunshine boy, Aang. Mm. He is so precious. I'm always drawn to those power of friendship type protagonists and characters, Kipo, Steven Universe. Uh, and I don't know, just the horror of your whole existence and people being wiped out and still deciding to get up every day in love is, you know, unattainable, I think, but but so wonderful to, to have a model to aspire yeah. to. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. I'm, I love it. Thank you so much for, for sharing. I'm, I'm really grateful. I, I hope that everybody else heard that too, because that's just so beautiful. Oh, okay. Well, we, I want to return back to this uh, conversation where we talk about things that you might want to plug if people want to get in contact with you about this avatar convention. Like, I'm, I'm curious if, how you would like people to find you if they would like to. Yeah, I mean, cabbagecon.com should hopefully have all the information people need. No one reads the emails or the website, so I get it if you still want to send us questions, but hopefully that's all the information you need, cabbagecon.com. Um, on on uh, Instagram, we're at Cabbage Convention. On Twitter, we're at AvatarFanCon. And on Facebook, we're um, just CabbageCon. I think it's cabbage convention as well if uh, you go by the url but um 
you know, uh, the Kickstarter was super successful. I, I do have, like I said, I do have now nine years of experience running single fandom cons. So I know what I'm doing. And um, I'm just really excited. The first year is always a little bit scary, but uh, I think the fandom is, is, is wonderful and we're going to have a really good time together. So I have no doubt. Can you give us, what is the date of this con so people can put it on their calendar? March 30th to April 2nd, 2023 is in Columbus um, because I live here and the con lives in my basement. Um, if you are <laughs> hesitant about coming to Ohio, you do not have to leave the hotel. I promise you can pretend you're not in Ohio. Um, we have a big airport that's like 20 minutes from the venue. So, you know, come on down. We'd love to have you. Okay. And then there are various tiers for tickets that people can purchase. I noticed on the website, um, there's all the way down to your base level ticket. And then there's more and more incentive for you to kind of raise that, uh, raise the bar a little bit because there are fast passes to certain events. There's lots of cool things that you can, you can enjoy by paying a little extra for for the joy absolutely and i'll set you up with a coupon for your fans too we'll say bending i suppose so they can save some yeah. money on their tickets yeah yeah that sounds lovely i will put that out on our patreon and then we'll um make sure that everybody has that access so you heard it folks if you join our patreon you can get a little bit of a coupon to this cabbage con as well so we would love to set that up for you Okay. Any other pertinent details about the con that you'd like to share before we sign off? Uh, just that we have the best name ever, uh, Cabbage Con. Uh, that's right. A uh, variation of Cabbage Corp, actually. This is a <laughs> uh, subsidy uh, sponsored by Cabbage Corp. Uh, no, they have shoddy workmanship. We're, we're not associated with Cabbage Corp. Sato uh, Industries is actually our, our sponsor. Ah, so. uh, yes. Cabbage Corp will... Uh, be a contributor and fundraiser for the next con i see (laughs) okay well kk bracken you have been a pleasure to have this conversation with and a joy to learn from thank you for giving us this opportunity and thank you for all the hard work that you're putting into this convention i am certain that avatar fans will have a blast uh enjoying this convention that's the goal okay well, thank you all. You heard it from KK. You can see Cabbage Con in Columbus, Ohio at the end of March next year. Uh, and you can always find us at Bending Not Breaking and BNB underscore pod on all of our uh, Twitter handles. But until next time, be well and do good. Thank you so much for having me.